It's Bosch the Bigs brought to you by Kyle Straub Realty and Associations with Better Homes and Gardens. Paracle, give me a call if you or someone you know are looking to buy or sell a home. 845-430-8415. I'm Kyle Straub. Thanks for joining me here on Bosch to the Bigs. Flying solo for this one. Pat needed the week off. We'll get back with him after the Super Regionals. But that's the news. Carolina gets through their regional onto the Supers. Just two wins away from Omaha as the Tar Heels sit now at 42-20. and 20. Had to go through the loser's bracket. Regionals were stressful, but the Tar Heels get it done. And first time in school history that they have come from the loser's bracket through that regional and advanced to Supers. Tar Heels won game one against Hofstra. Had a tough Saturday there against VCU, losing 4-3 to three and I think at this point, everybody knows what happened in that game. I'm not going to spend too much time on it at this point because, honestly, I spent too much time on it at that point and over the weekend as it continued. The issues with the umpire and Coach Forbes suspended for two games. Listen, flat out, they got it wrong. Handled the situation absolutely terribly. But in the end, Carolina wins the regional. And I feel like because of that, it really is something that we need to just put behind us and move on because there's nothing you can do about the way it went down. Thankfully, the Tar Heels are able to overcome the odds. And, you know, it's not that big of a surprise that this team that has had this season and has continued to fight through what they did in May was able to run through this loser's bracket, go through two games on Sunday against Georgia and then VCU without Coach Forbes and then win on Monday to move on and now host a Super Regional, even though they're the 10th seed, thanks to the Arkansas Razorbacks. They took out Oklahoma State in the uh, the Stillwater Regional. So Carolina, for the second time in the last couple of years, 2019 being the most recent, will host a Super Regional, hoping that it will go like 2018 when the Tar Heels made their most recent trip to Omaha. Uh, we're going to talk with Vance Honeycutt here in a little bit, but just want to talk about these three games here against Georgia VCU uh, and Sunday, and then the third game against VCU on Monday. Carolina coming off of that loss, facing an elimination game for the first time this year, came out against Georgia and looked like the Carolina team we've seen down the stretch here. 19-3 and in the last 22 games for them. It was a combination of Zarate setting the table, Horvath coming through when he needed to, Osuna hitting the long bomb, Honeycutt doing the things he needs to do. By the way, now another one to add to his little trophy case there. Uh, freshman All-America team he was announced to today. Freshman uh, of the year for the NCAA has not been announced yet. Still in the running for that one. And man, is he making a case for himself. Now tied for the most home runs in school history, and he's just a freshman. Looks like he might have a shot to get to 30 stolen bases this season, too. Uh, Like I said, we'll talk to him, though, here in a little bit. That Georgia game, I mean, the way that Carolina came out and jumped on them early, and it wasn't in the first inning, but it was in the second, got one, and then a three spot in the third, you felt really good about the chances for the Tar Heels, especially with the way that things were going on the mound. Sandy followed by Rap and Pry, and you get yourself into the middle of the game, and you have your, yourself a nice 4-1 lead, uh, but you were just holding your breath a little bit, I think. I know I was. 
waiting for that run from Georgia, a team that at one point was considered a possibility for Omaha this year. And it came in the ninth inning. It really gave me some flashbacks to the Stetson Super Regional there in 2018, although this one was a little bit more para, uh, perilous there. Three run or four run lead going into the ninth inning. They hit a three run home run to pull within one. And the next batter sends one out to center field. And this is where the Super Regional came into my mind. You remember Brandon Riley going back and he caught a ball right at the warning track right in front of the fence in order to secure that game, and Carolina moves on to Omaha. Vance Honeycutt, the outfielder this time, and he didn't get to stay on the warning track, had to jump and rob a home run. Says it's the first time he ever did it. Oh, my goodness. This play was unbelievable. One of the best I've ever seen, and we'll actually ask him about it here in a little bit when we have him on, but it, it keeps that lead intact, and Carolina eventually holds on for the 6-5 to five win over Georgia. And, you know, it's funny going back and listening. And Coach Forbes, after the second win against VCU, said, you know, I'm watching that game, and I thought if we could just get by Georgia, we were going to have a shot. And they get by Georgia, and the next game really wasn't much of the game. Tar Heels go down 2-0. They're the home team, finally. Um, the NCAA needs to fix that. you got to be the home team if you're the one seed. We'll get into that maybe another time when Pat and I can bounce back and forth on it. But for this purposes, go down 2 nothing to VCU. Two-run shot there in the first inning for the Rams. And it very well could have been the end if it weren't that they were playing this Tar Heel team. A touchdown in the first inning for Carolina, followed by two in the second, two in the third, both two-run shots with two outs in the inning. And by the time the third inning is over, this game was already a wrap. It was 11-5 to Carolina. They roll and move on to win 19-8. And because it was such a blowout, it was big for Carolina. Olio went the first inning, Pry went the second inning, and then Caden O'Brien was magnificent, being able to go four through the middle part of that game, and Connor Beauvert being able to go three, especially coming off the Georgia game where he gave up that three-run home run and the near home run to tie it up to be able to bounce back the very next game, not even the next day, the next game, and go three innings, just two hits, no runs, walked one, struck out two. Carolina cruises to that win. And now you go into a Monday where it is all hands on deck. Winner goes to the semi, uh, the Super Regionals. Loser goes home. VCU was set up really well. Hadn't thrown a single pitcher more than once all weekend long. Carolina, though, didn't matter. Brandon Schaefer told the coaching staff, listen, I want the ball. This is why I came to Carolina. And he got the ball. One day's rest. He comes back and throws 58 pitches, goes three and two-thirds, gives up a few runs, but leaves with Carolina out in front. And it was, again, early runs for the Tar Heels. Four in the first inning really set the tone. Put another one on the board in the third, two more in the fourth. And that was all the Tar Heels would need as Schaefer, Gillian, and Palermo combined to finish the game off. Carolina Winners of the Chapel Hill Regional and moving on to the Super Regionals. And as that got over, we all turned our attention over to the TV. Oklahoma State and Arkansas got started an hour after us. Some wild games in that Stillwater Regional. If Oklahoma State had won, Carolina would be on the road. If Arkansas won, Carolina was going to be home. And thankfully, 
Arkansas won, and we get to enjoy some more baseball at Boschimer Stadium. We're going to get into that one, or I should say I'm going to get into that one as soon as I am done talking with Vance Honeycutt, the Tar Heels winners of the regional. On to the Super Regionals. We're going to chat with the center fielder, Vance Honeycutt, when we come back. Here on Bosch to the Bigs, Kyle Straub alongside Pat James. Normally flying solo here today, but I do have an interview for you, and it is with Tar Heels center fielder Vance Honeycutt. Vance, how you doing, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I want to start off first with way before you even came to Carolina, because you have some ties with Carolina, and it, it's your dad. He played at, the, uh, at Carolina, was on a baseball team that went to Omaha, what are your memories of being a kid and him bringing you back to campus? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I remember from the start, you know, um, kind of coming up here for like old leaguers weekends and stuff. Um, always watching games with the Bosch. Um, and it was always, uh, it was always, always really cool to kind of do that. Um, so just kind of growing up from a young age, I just kind of love this place and just love being around it. Love the city um, in Chapel Hill. So, it's just kind of how I remembered it growing up. How often, if at all, did you guys come in and watch any games as a kid? Oh, multiple times a year. Um, I was probably coming to five to ten games a year growing up. Did you ever envision yourself out there during a regional making a catch to keep the game at a one-run lead in the ninth inning like you just have happened this past weekend? <laughs> Can't say I ever envisioned that specific <laughs> moment, but I definitely kind of envisioned myself out there for sure. So at what point did North Carolina start to really come into the, the recruiting thought process for you and they had shown some interest? Um, I guess it was going into my junior fall um, that summer, sophomore, the year before my junior year. Um, just that was kind of when it all picked up and then Carolina came about I came to the camp here with coach Fox and coach Weirs coach Forbes actually wasn't there um but then I think the week after we were in Florida and coach Forbes came down came down there and then you know from there on I mean it was a pretty easy decision for me yeah how much of a influence was your dad going to UNC in that decision or did you try and and take that part of it out and make just what was going to be the right decision for you? Um, I definitely try to take that part, you know, out of it a little bit, just um, not trying to have any bias towards it. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was, it's kind of always been the dream. So. So you finally get on campus and day one, you're in the starting lineup out in center field as a true freshman, how right away getting on the field, did you kind of harness that energy and make sure the pressure and the moment didn't get too big for you. Yeah. Um, I feel like being on the field as a freshman, you kind of have to take yourself out of it for sure. I mean, you know, that like, you're not the, you're not the centerpiece. Um, and you're just there to just kind of help like make it all glue together, I guess. Um, so guys like Danny, guys like Angel, um, Mac, um, Johnny, and just guys like that, just to try to, um, I mean, like, obviously those guys are going to kind of make this thing run. And if you can just kind of help out where you can, um, you know, play good defense and then just pick guys up, then that's kind of just how, you, how I kind of went about it. Everybody knows the, the way the season started for you. You really came out on fire. 
got into ACC play and there was a little bit of struggle there. Um, and I think at this point, it's pretty well known that you and Coach Weir's Bicky went and made some changes to your swing that clearly have paid off. How did that whole process come about? Did you go to them and say, hey, I'm struggling. I need to do something to fix this. Did they come to you or was it kind of a mutual thing? Um, I mean, I think everybody could agree that I needed to make a change. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I went to him and, um, you know, but also he was just kind of, hey, you want to hit some? And then going in there, he's like, how you feeling? Um, so then from then on, it was just finding things that just, kind of worked, kind of clicked in the cages. Um, but, you know, all the credit goes to him. You know, he's, he's always willing to work with you um, any day, any time. Um, and that's huge, you know, just to if you're struggling, just to be able to get in there and have someone that has your back um, and that will work with you at any time. And then knowing that if you just keep working, trusting in that, that you'll come out on the other side. How hard was it to make that change in the middle of a season? So you're actually going out there and trying to put into the game what you're doing in practice, but not seeing the results right away. Yeah, I think just knowing that like it's not going to change right away, um, and you just have kind of you just kind of have to accept that, um, and just thinking if you can stay with it and keep doing it in practice, and if you're seeing good results in practice off of you know BP like a coach's arm, and you can move it back to the machine and you can see results there then eventually it's going to come in the game so just kind of keeping a level head and not trying to just not expecting it to just flip off the bat one thing that i have seen and now have actually been told too is you never really had to change your imitation of some of your teammates as far as their battle stances go though (laughs) where did that come from is it something you've always done and who's your who's you your favorite to do who do you think you do the best yeah, I don't even know how that came about. I just remember we were out in front of the dugout one game and I had a bat in my hand and I was like, hey, guys, who is this? Um, and it was Danny. Um, but I, I can do Danny's pretty well. Um, I remember looking down from the press box and I saw that and I was like, that, it looks like Danny, but that's not Danny. So yeah. you, you did do it very well. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, besides Danny, anybody else that, that you're really spot on with with that? Um. I don't think so. I mean, I have Danny's down to a T, so I think it's time to start learning somebody else's. I like it. I'm going to ask you next time you're on to to give me the update. Who's the next guy that you have mastered their their art of the the approach and the swing? Uh, Sounds good. <laughs> back on the field, but a little bit of a lighter subject here. I want to get your take on what your favorite play was so far out in center field. I wrote down two that really have stood out to me. It was obviously the catch that I had referenced when we got on here to uh, to keep that game a one-run lead just this past weekend. And then the other one was that diving play you had in right center field. I don't remember which team it was against, but I think it's probably one that sticks out in your mind. Do you have a favorite between them? Um, I mean, you got to go with the one against Georgia, right? Um, I yeah. think the other one was against Florida State, uh, I think. Um, yes, you're right. But, I mean, I think you got to – say Georgia just uh, was a cool spot to be in for sure take me inside of your mind you see that ball off the bat what's going through your head right there I mean I thought it was just a routine fly ball I was going to catch it right I mean at the fence but I wasn't going to have to do anything special um I, and then I got to the warning track and I thought it was stopped and you know it just kept flying but luckily it just just kind of stopped right just right over the wall so I was able to get it 
did you measure it up? Like, did you realize distances and all of that kind of stuff? Or was it a, a split second you jumped in, it happened to go in the glove? Um, I think in that you, you're not really thinking you're just, you're just kind of, um, just kind of letting the athleticism take over and just, you know, see what happens. But, um, you know, you, you kind of skip to the wall and then you see it coming down. So you just t- try to time it up and then whatever happens is going to happen. As far as your teammates go, I know we talked about how much you have learned from coach where Bicky, how much he has worked with you. Who have you learned from or taken the most from on the team? Um, Angel. Zarate for sure um you know coming in here and get moved to the outfield um and you know as a freshman hadn't played much outfield ever in my life just kind of going under his wing um learning just what to do how to do it um you know just early on in the fall at least just being able to know like where the ball needs to go um everything like that and you know, he's been a big help and offensively too I mean you've seen the success he's had um so it's just kind of um, it's a good, it's a good role model to kind of look after. Yeah, as this season kind of gets into the postseason, you're coming towards an end, one way or another. It's either this weekend or on to Omaha, which is the hope. Uh, you have had some accolades start to kind of accumulate here for you. ACC All Freshman Team, uh, you won the ACC Tournament MVP, and now just today announced uh, AC or excuse me, uh, All America Freshman Team. Congratulations, by the way. With all of those, how do you make sure you keep yourself grounded, though? Yeah, um, I think, you know, individual accolades are pretty cool. But at the end of the day, it's a team sport. You're trying to do one thing, and that's pretty national championship back to Chapel Hill. So, um, you know, job's not finished. And I think if you're looking at it as like, oh, I've, I've, I've gotten there, um, then, you know, you're never going to meet that end goal. So just kind of keeping your head straight on, straightforward, you know, talking about what coach always talks about and, you know, ignoring the distractions, then just kind of um, focusing on the end goal. And, you know, you don't have, you don't have much trouble just kind of looking past it. Having gone through a regional and seeing what a crowd at Boschmer stadium looks like and sounds like in a postseason game, what are your expectations with Arkansas and the super regionals here this weekend? Um, I'm expecting a big crowd, a rowdy one. Um, and I mean, it's going to be a really fun atmosphere. From what I've uh, from what I've been told, so I can't wait. All right, last one for you. I've had Danny Angel and Brandon Schaefer all be able to do this for me. So you can't let me down and say you can't do it. Okay. I need you to give me your best Coach Forbes impersonation of freaking oh, awesome. Oh, um, okay. Hey, man, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> Awesome, man. I I appreciate it. Vance, thank you for joining me. Good luck this season. Good luck the rest of your time with the Tar Heels. We'll talk again soon. All righty. Awesome. Thank you. Back here on Bosch the Bigs, another big thank you to Vance Honeycutt for joining us here this week. Some good insight there from the freshman as he gets ready with his teammates for the Super Regionals. Carolina will take on Arkansas Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday if necessary. I would say go get some tickets and come out and support the Tar Heels, but from my understanding, tickets never even made it to the public as the Rams head and season ticket holders put in such a large number 
that the games have all been sold out already. But that doesn't mean you can't go fill up Karen Shelton Stadium or out beyond that right field fence and support the Tar Heels here this weekend as they try to march on to Omaha. Arkansas, the opponent for the Tar Heels. Let's take a little bit of a look at the Razorbacks as they go to their fourth straight regional, only team in the country that has done that. Carolina, one of a handful that have made it into three of the last four, but Arkansas, the only ones that have been to four straight. 41-19 and overall on the season for Arkansas, 18-12 and in SEC play, but here are two numbers, I guess three, that I really want you to keep in mind. Just 7-8 and eight away from home this season. They'll be playing here in Chapel Hill. That's a good thing. They lost their last two series of the season, and they also went two and out in the SEC tournament, losing those series to Vanderbilt and Alabama, and then losing in the SEC tournament to Bama and Florida. So a team that kind of on the opposite of the Tar Heels, instead of finishing the season really strong, kind of skidding a little bit down the stretch, but the fact that they're in a super regional tells you that that skid is the only reason that they are on a host team. This is a squad that has the potential to be really dangerous. Uh, when you look at what they did on the year, very all or nothing for this Arkansas team. And hopefully this weekend, it'll be a nothing for that offense. Uh, just two guys that hit above 300. Chris Lanzill leads a team at 323. Michael Turner at 310. Uh, nobody that stands out as a, like, this is the guy in the lineup. But a very balanced lineup, though. 98 home runs on the season, four players with double digits, and they've got three more with eight or more home runs. Uh, and that's kind of the MO for this team, which is a little unusual for Arizona. Usually a more of a small ball, traditional baseball program. They have really relied on getting a couple of guys on and then getting a long ball that will drive in a few and get the crooked number out there on the board. And when they don't, a lot of strikeouts, 483 times as a team they have struck out. And in their top 10 batters, only one guy has struck out less than 40 on the season. Now, Carolina doesn't have big strikeout pitchers, but it's going to lead to a little bit more easier outs, I would assume, if Carolina is able to hit their spots being command guys, especially Max Carlson, who's got the ability to get that velo up and, and really mix and match for them. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, the rest of the offense, it, it just kind of, honestly, it looks pedestrian from the outside. They don't run a lot, but they do find a way to score runs, almost 430 runs on this season. So like I said, a very all-or-nothing offense that if you have some good pitching, you can get the ladder and have some success. As far as the pitching for them goes, uh, very different from Carolina because they have very defined roles. Connor Nolan, Hagen Smith, Jackson Wiggins, their three weekend starters. They made 16, 15, and 14 starts respectively, which were all of those weekend starts essentially in conference play, especially in the SEC there for Arkansas. But none of them have a, a standout blow-you-away ace kind of year, except for maybe Nolan, uh, 4.13 ERA, a little bit high, but 93 innings. He has really been out there and consistent for the Razorbacks. 90 hits in those innings and 43 earned runs. He's walked 32 and struck out 99. Uh, teams hitting 254 against him, which is the highest amongst those three starters. 
So you have a high strikeout number in high innings, but you have a high contact rate against him. Uh, so with Carolina putting the ball in play, you feel like it doesn't matter what starter goes, but especially seeing three guys who are contact pitchers for the most part, or at least have a decent amount of contact against him, that things are going to end up falling in for the Tar Heels. And if you can go out there and jump on them early and get this crowd that is going to be big, 4,100 is the sellout for Bostromer Stadium, but keep in mind all that area you can check out outside of the stadium. Expect 5,000, maybe more around the stadium. If you can get that crowd involved early and keep them involved, that's where home field advantage really comes into play. On top of that, you get some early runs, and that's the recipe to success that Carolina has had here down the stretch as they've gone 19-3 and over their last 22 games. You get into the bullpen early, and in college baseball, you get into a bullpen early, you're going to have some opportunities. That's the same way here with Arkansas until you get to the back end of their bullpen. Brady Tigart, their closer, just a freshman, 22 appearances on the year, 8 saves, 51 strikeouts in 36 innings. He's allowed 16 earned runs. You don't want to take your chances and have a comeback that you need as you get late in a game with him and those kind of numbers, but you get to a starter, they have some trouble getting to him, and that's where you can really have success. I think if the Tar Heels come out and play the way they have, Angel Zarate sets the table, and the rest of the offense does what they do, and I don't need to name anybody because there's been so many different players that have stepped up at different times, and that's what makes this lineup so dangerous. It'll be Carlson and Schaefer in games one and two for the Tar Heels. Nolan, I would imagine, gets game one. Whether it's Smith or Wiggins in game two, you know if you get to a Monday, the other that doesn't pitch will be in game three. Uh, Two evenly matched teams, in my opinion. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be highly contested. Make sure you're loud. Nobody wants to hear their pig suey chant in Boschmer Stadium, even though the allotment is only 600. Drown them out. Let's go, Tar Heels. Get those chants going. Come out, have some fun. Couple afternoon games. Carolina, two wins away from going on to Omaha. Who would have thought this a month and a half ago? That'll do it for Bosch to the Bigs. We'll catch you next week, and hopefully it's a recap of a win and a preview of Omaha. I'm Kyle Stroud. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.